You're listening to the Apex Fantasy Football Podcast. Hello, fellow fantasy football fanatics. Welcome to the Championship Week episode of the Apex Fantasy Football Podcast. Hopefully, you are still alive in your leagues. Uh, Better luck, hopefully, than I had with only, looks like, one team making it to the finals. So maybe more of a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do thing. Uh, But regardless, we're glad to have you listening. Today, we're going to talk a little about waivers per usual, but then it'll be a QB-centric episode. We're going to talk a little about what uh, the ADP and how it played out for this year in terms of quarterbacks. Um has uh, has really determined the win uh, in many ways winners and losers in this year's fantasy football leagues, and we're also going to talk a little about uh, rookie quarterbacks and sophomore quarterbacks, and maybe how to compare them. Should be some interesting debate and maybe some great actionable lessons learned from this season. So let's go right into waivers and chalk this week. Uh, week fifteen was. Cam Akers, who disappointed a lot. Now, he did get injured, but, you know, a team like the Rams losing the Jets, pretty excusable. Um, but it's next man up. And Daryl Henderson might have been dropped in your leagues. He should be the lead back. Maybe Malcolm Brown's going to get some passing down and goal line work. But against the Seahawks, could be a high-scoring affair. We never know which version of this Rams team we're going to get. So where would you slot in Daryl Henderson as an ad, Mike? Who are you? Is he a low-end RB2, or is he someone that championship teams should be looking to acquire? I think he's more of a low-end running back, too. But with how running back has been and all the injuries that have been sustained, there may be some teams that are in the finals but still need running backs. And there's not a lot of better candidates to get that production from than Daryl Henderson. He's only going to have to deal with uh, Malcolm Brown, who will probably take passing downs, which could impact things if they get into a negative game script where they're passing a lot, going up tempo and using Malcolm Brown. But I don't really see them phasing Daryl Henderson out just because Malcolm Brown's not really an every down back. So even if they get into a situation where they pass, they'll probably split a little bit. Um but yeah, we, we could certainly see the Rams fall behind the Seahawks. It's not like either team has looked particularly good over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and if you were a team that was relying on someone like Antonio Gibson at the beginning of the playoffs, or maybe you were hoping that Raheem Mostert was coming back, or you were relying on Cam Akers and you were really excited to start him, maybe you do have a gap at the running back two spot. Are you starting him over a guy like, say, Gio Bernard? Um, Gio looked good and they wanted to center their offense around him. He kind of looked like an every down back. I don't know that Daryl Henderson will be doing that. So I would probably rather take Gio just because he looks like the centerpiece of the Bengals right now, but I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of difference between the two guys. Yeah. So low end RB2 flex looks like the play for Henderson, but who knows if you had, uh, you might have a gap at running back if you maybe, uh, maybe have David Montgomery and Kelsey and, some guys carried in the finals, but your RB2 spot is vacant. Thor Henderson might be a guy you want to pick up just in case you decide you need to start him come this weekend. How about George Kittle? Today, Kyle Shanahan said he might be back. Uh, George Kittle seems like a no-frills kind of guy who doesn't matter what their record is. If he can play, he'll play. Um, now, it looks like CJ Bethier is going to get the start. Jimmy G is not ready yet. It doesn't appear. 
Um, even though he was activated, obviously Josh Johnson's on IR that was announced and Nick Mullins has a UCL injury. So by default, that leaves CJ Bethiard. Um, even though he's catching passes from a, a QB two slash three, I can't imagine you want four guys more than George Kittle, right? Yeah, tight ends are just a wasteland. Um, however you slice it. I mean, if you look at the the current top tight ends, TJ Hawkinson is number three, and he caught two passes for 18 yards and fumbled last week. So there's just not a lot of security up at the top. And Kittle's one of those guys that if he's on the field, you know he's going to get targets. And you know that he has a lot of upside, even if he's returning from injury. So I don't see it. Also, it's not a situation where the 49ers need to force him in where he's potentially not healthy. If Kittle's playing right now for the 49ers, he's good to go. So I think that even if Beathard is the starting quarterback, Kittle is somebody that, assuming you don't have Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller, it's kind of a no-brainer that you want him in your lineup. Dalton, you playing him over Mark Andrews if you made it in the championship with Mark Andrews? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think Kittle's one of those guys that he's, I mean, if you have him on your team at this point, you we touched on it. You don't want to roster him without the intention of playing him. He's just that good of a player. When he's playing in, you're playing. Like, even if you have a guy like Waller, you're probably going to flex a guy like Kittle because the Duke can just ball it any single week. And, it, and we look at his production, even with a guy like CJ Beathard, like it's very similar to the splits we're looking at with any other quarterback throughout his career. So, um, again, like they're not playing him in this situation where they're likely out of the playoff hunt without him being good enough to play and be utilized in the game plan in which Devo Samuel's out. It's really only IU can kill there. So he should be in for a massive target share. And um, it's a good problem to have because you may honestly see a lot of teams that do have Kittle and Kelsey or Kittle and Waller because he probably just dropped in uh, quite a few leagues. Yeah. You know, unless you have one of those two guys, Kittle's definitely worth a pickup if someone dropped him when he got hurt. Um, last wave we're going to talk about is Marcus Mariota. I mean, a pretty, pretty, uh, significant groin injury for Derek Carr and Mariota looks like, you know, the quarterback that the Titans drafted at two overall last week. And especially the quarterback that was looking so promising in his sophomore year. And then just, you know, I really no explanation for what happened to him. But Mike, what can Jalen Hurts in his dominant performance in Week 15 teach us about Marcus Mariota's ceiling? I mean, it's become clear in fantasy football that you want to target running quarterbacks. If you look at the ADP from this year, which we'll do later in this show, um, the guys who outperform their average draft position generally have rushing ability in their profile. And if you're rushing like a Jalen Hurts, I don't know, seven times a game, that's a floor that you can bank on, um, especially when a team gets behind, they have more pass attempts. These rushing attempts often come naturally and often result in touchdowns. And we saw it with Mariota coming in the game. And there's also this element that we've seen before where perhaps it's the weight of the franchise being on your shoulders and being the second overall pick and everybody expects Mariota to turn the Titans around. And I guess a similar example would be uh, Ryan Tannehill when he was on the Dolphins and had these high expectations. And then these guys become veterans. They sit on the bench a little bit. They obviously watch a lot of film. And that second go, they seem more comfortable and it's a bit more natural. And I know that Mariota doesn't have a great matchup this week. And I'm not sure that I 
recommend playing him, but perhaps we see a more mature Marcus Mariota who's ready to turn his career around and ready to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I'm not sure that we want to jump in with that thesis necessarily, but it's certainly a possibility. And Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, Mariota, I wouldn't say is a must start, but Hurts is a must start going forward. The performance that we saw from him um, was incredible. And it, it looks like this guy's ready to play. And it's also apparent the defense hasn't really caught on to exactly what he likes doing, even if he doesn't have a lot of reads and he's basically just going through one or two reads and then running the ball if he has nothing. Uh, he has an arm. He has unbelievable touch. He he doesn't seem to need great receivers in order to create these opportunities. And he puts the defense in a lot of difficult situations with his running ability and how he's able to throw on the move. Um, there was a particular play that was incredible that I remember watching where he actually fumbled the ball, grabbed the ball, and then threw it for a first down. And I, I don't know how many guys in the league can do that. But when it comes to somebody like hurts there just aren't a lot of guys in the league that have the kind of upside that he has I don't know how many other quarterbacks can score 37 points um, maybe six in the league right now so there's just an upside that we've seen with hurts in his second game that a lot of quarterbacks will never reach in their career I mean the, th- the, the question is like we know hurts is a studies and must start but there's also potential that a lot of teams that do have Hurts also do have another starting quarterback. So, like, at what point point are we starting Hurts over a guy like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen? Like, are these legitimate questions that we need to have this upcoming weekend? The the Dallas Cowboys are one of the worst defenses out there for passing. Like, is is it crazy to start Jalen Hurts over these guys this week? I don't think that it is. Um, The guy has done it against some formidable opponents. I mean, he had a really good performance against the Saints, which not a lot of guys have had. He tore the Cardinals to shreds. Um, And now we talk about the worst defense in the league and a team that doesn't have a lot to play for. And Hurts seems very competitive. And Dallas has struggled against running quarterbacks. And I think that this is going to be an opportunity for Hurts to put up another huge game. Um, the, The issue is you're playing a guy that's a little bit more volatile, does have some downside in a night that he doesn't perform. And you're sitting guys who took you to the promised land and also have that same upside. So when it comes to a Josh Allen, not exactly sure of Josh Allen's matchup. Um, I I don't remember exactly who Kyler plays either, Um, but it's very tough to sit those guys because they have that same ceiling. We're talking about a week where Josh Allen also put up 37. They always play the Patriots, I believe. And, um, and they, but there looks like it looked like they're minus uh, Stephon Gilmore. And we've seen Josh Allen tear apart the Patriots and other good defenses in the Steelers. We, I mean, there's not a lot of reason to to doubt Josh Allen either. So, I mean, if you have one of those high ceiling quarterbacks in a Kyler Murray, in a Josh Allen who also put up 35 plus last week, then I think that it's very reasonable to stay with them. But if you have anybody else, even Tannehill put up 37 last week, but so, so that, in that's this matchup, are you starting him over Tannehill? I'm probably starting Hurts against Dallas instead of Tannehill. Um, okay, and it's not you. that I don't like Tannehill. I think Tannehill is awesome and he's been fantastic. Um, but could we have a better matchup for Jalen Hurts? And could he have played better last week? That's I don't point. know. 
That's a good point. So Jalen Hurts, top five quarterback, right? That's, it seems like we're all in agreement. I think he has to be right now. He has to be, right? Like The fact that we're even debating with some of those guys should put him in that top five. And then the question becomes, where does he rank among quarterbacks next year? Yeah, that's a, really, that's a really interesting question. So, so this uh, is what we and, wanted to look at is, was late round quarterback a good strategy this year? And it's not just late round quarterback. Let's go with ADP overall. Lamar Jackson, second round pick. Obviously, he didn't pay off. Patrick Mahomes also went at the end of the second. Uh, he has probably paid off his ADP. Um, just with consistency. Then Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott were coming off the board in the sixth round. And I mean, Dak may have outperformed his draft position. He does come with some rushing ability. Deshaun Watson hasn't really had the cast around him, but he still has a very high floor and rushing ability. Then we have Russell Wilson and Kyler coming in around 70th pick overall. Um, Both of them add an element of rushing. And Kyler obviously has paid off his ADP and had a very good year. Josh Allen went in the eighth, comes with some goal line rushing ability, has scored a lot of touchdowns. Also in the eighth round, Matt Ryan, a pure passer who clearly needs his wide receivers to be in top shape in order order to be even close to paying off his ADP. But you're relying on a, a Matt Ryan purely with his passing ability. We knew he wasn't going to become a rushing quarterback. Then we have Carson Wentz and Tom Brady, who both went in round 10. Neither of them performed well. Uh, Neither of them have a whole lot of rushing ability in their profile. Aaron Rodgers also went in the 10th round and seems to have paid off without much rushing ability. Um, Then Drew Brees went in the beginning of the 11th. Killed you. you. Um, Matthew Stafford in the 12th hasn't even been probably wasn't even worth an 18th round pick Daniel Jones a 12th round pick which he did have the rushing ability in his profile but it just seems that he's not a very good player and I think that you could argue that the dart was worth throwing because in his profile if he was good and added that rushing ability maybe he has some Josh Allen level outcomes in his profile, but obviously he's not as good as Josh Allen. Then we have Cam Newton in round 14, looked like at the beginning of the year he could pay off, hasn't. Baker Mayfield has gotten hot recently, more of a pure passer. Um, In round 15, Ben Roethlisberger hasn't paid off um, as a pure passer. Jared Goff in the 15th round, same thing. Um, Joe Burrow was actually close to paying off his 15th round ADP and got injured, unfortunately. Ryan Tannehill on the 16th round. A great pick. Great pick. And has added some rushing ability. You see the, with everybody expecting Derek Henry at the goal line. Yeah, Yeah, they they have that zone read and it's really paid off for him. So so it becomes clear. Go on. Uh, I was going to say, here's where I have to push back against you a little bit, but finish your point because I think it's important before I respond. Yeah, I think my point is that if you want to target a quarterback and you're looking for a lot of upside, generally 
the most common way, at least this year, to find that upside has been through rushing ability. Aaron Rodgers seems to be one that didn't follow that rule. But if we're talking about a Kyler, we're talking about a Josh Allen. Now we're talking about a Hertz or previously a Taysom Hill. Even if they're not good that good at passing, they seem to put the defenses in these difficult situations where you need to account for their running ability and they have much more favorable throwing situations. And then you get to the goal line area and they're able to score more points than a passing quarterback can. So I think there's a very strong argument that when you want to target a quarterback, target a quarterback that has that rushing ability in their profile. So there's there's a couple things I wanted to point out with that. Number one, if you were taking Russell Wilson or Kyler or Deshaun Watson, you were missing out. You had to pick him over a guy like Tyler Boyd, who before Burrow went down was great. You had to take him over a guy like Marquise Brown, who was very hyped, although he didn't pan out. Jarvis Landry's turned it on. Ronald Jones. Gallup, who was was really exciting before Dak went down. You were taking him over Darren Waller. You were taking them near Will Fuller and Dobbins and Cooks and Deontay Johnson. And you are going to have to pay a premium. And And it seems that Rushing ability for quarterbacks is really volatile year to year. I mean, look at Lamar Jackson this year compared to last year. Even Vic, I think, only had two seasons over 900 rushing yards. Um, Predicting that year to year is really difficult, and you're going to have to pay a premium next year for it. I mean, look what happened to – and I know you're not advocating for taking him in the second or third round. The one who is hard against is Josh Allen in the eighth because you had to take him near guys like Kirk or Debo um, and Crowder – and Hunter Henry, and he really, really paid off. So how do you reconcile the fact that you are a guy who wants to accrue as much value as possible, quarterbacks are easily replaceable, and the fact that Taysom Hill and Jalen Hurts at the most port and Tannehill were oftentimes available late and on the waiver wire? How do you reconcile the fact that you're paying an opportunity cost for, you're going to have to pay an opportunity cost next year for the guys that we talked about earlier, kind of like you did this year, but they're the guys that are the best and you're missing, but by drafting them, you're missing out on some hype guys that we really loved. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that I'm advocating for an early quarterback. I'm advocating for quarterbacks who are likely to outperform their average draft position or those who have rushing ability in their profile. I think that if you got a late Aaron Rodgers. I think Josh Allen was probably the league winning picket quarterback. Right. Maybe Kyler's in there. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is in there. And then I think Tannehill. And I mean, if I'm structuring my teams, I think Tannehill was the perfect one. And then if you picked up a Jalen Hurts and you have those guys or Taysom Hill previously, um, then you were able to get that quarterback production without paying the premium. So my argument is more Going into next year, let's see where a Hertz is going. If we think back two years after Lamar Jackson's rookie year, nobody thought Lamar Jackson was good enough as a passer to be a good quarterback. And that allowed you to draft him in the 12th right. round, even though he right. had that rushing profile. So I'm not necessarily saying let's take these guys early that have this rushing ability. I'm saying even if you have questions about a quarterback as a passer, and they have this unbelievable rushing ability or this 
uh, goal line ability, then they're able to accrue more points than other quarterbacks. And if they're able to get a little bit better as a passer, then they may have a path to vastly outperform their ADP. So it's more a let's take away the lesson that rushing quarterbacks are the quarterbacks that you want to own. And let's see the price of the guys next year. And then let's evaluate with their cost. Um, but you could go either way. You could have made that investment this year where you took a Kyler early. Like, yeah, there was totally the opportunity cost where you missed out on guys, but there's a lot of Kylers in the championship. So clearly it was a good pick. And the same is true for a Josh Allen. So there were ways to do that. And then there's also teams in the championship right now that played a Tannehill or played a Hertz or were playing Taysom Hill. So there's many ways to do it. And you need to be mindful of all those things heading into 2021. Yeah, one thing that's interesting about the quarterback market, I think at least this year, it was probably the most efficient that I've personally seen it. And I feel like the market as a whole and drafters are becoming a lot smarter and they really understand the value of a rushing quarterback. Like if you look at the top seven quarterbacks this year, um, all of them had rushing upside in their profile. Even a guy like Mahomes, he doesn't rush it a ton, but he rushes it enough to where he does have some value there. We look at him, Lamar, Dak, Kyler, Russ, Deshaun Watson, and Josh Allen. Those were the top seven in ADP, and all of them have rushing upside there. And if we look like after that, when it comes to quarterbacks, like, I mean, maybe Wentz had a little bit of rushing production. Daniel Jones, Tannehill has a little bit there. But then other than that, it's like, who else really had that opportunity to become that guy? And I think like it's going to be really interesting to see where a guy like Jalen Hurts goes because there is a small sample from him. And I think there may be enough quarterbacks going ahead of him. Like even like a Justin Herbert or an Aaron Rodgers will probably likely have higher ADPs to where like he actually could be that guy outside of like the top 10 quarterbacks in which there is some rushing upside for once, you know, and I think that's going to be exciting and there may be um, an advantage for us drafters to really understand that that type of quarterback is someone we need to be targeting. But at the same time, if the market does get really efficient with these guys, and let's say hypothetically Jalen Hurts is going within the top 10 quarterbacks, and there's no really true rushing upside kind of guys outside of the top 10 quarterbacks, then we honestly may have to reevaluate and um, maybe consider taking one of these quarterbacks, not necessarily super early, but within the top 10 quarterbacks and maybe spend a seventh or eighth round pick on these guys because they do really have that upside that a lot of these other guys really don't have. I also wonder... Um, I also wonder a lot about the future of the quarterback position in terms of, I, I don't know how many more of the top picks in the draft are going to be a Drew Brees, Tom Brady type, just not, not statues in the pocket. I that's not a fair comparison, but guys with no pat, rushing ability at all, you know? So I wonder if this problem might not be solved almost for us in five years, or almost every quarterback has the ability to rush. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I don't know if you guys watched the college football playoff last year. They had a lot of, he, he had really, really good rushing production. He's not known as a runner, but as, you know, as we get better as athletes and the training process gets better. And, you know, with every generation, the longevity athleticism seems to get a little bit better. That might be just the norm is that if you are going to play quarterback in the NFL and you want to be a first round pick, you have to have rushing ability. That might be what we're learning, especially with the uh, the NFL going to a more of a spread it out style offense. You know, well, let's look at the quarterbacks in this class. Trevor Lawrence has at the very least Mahomesian rushing ability. I don't know a ton about Zach Wilson's rushing ability, but Trey Lance definitely has. Obviously, Justin Fields 
I mean, is this the future of the quarterback position where there has to be a minimum sort of not only athletic ability, but a willingness and a part of the designed offense that a quarterback is running? Do you guys think the league is heading that way where the guys who are going to be drafted first overall, you know, is Joe, even Joe Burrow had some nice rushing ability. I mean, not great, but better than guys like Brady and Breeze, even in their prime. Do you guys think that's where we're going? Yeah, I, I think a huge advantage for offenses is the quarterback being able to run. And there's more designed quarterback runs than ever where you have a Cam Newton, you bring a fullback in next to him, and you have him uh, be a full blo- uh, lead blocker for Cam. And then you're not wasting somebody who's just handing the ball off. And you add in a passing play where the defense drops back and tries to force you to pass. And these guys are able to take advantage of that space and run. So there's no doubt that offensive coordinators are opening up their playbook more and evaluators are uh, valuing athleticism more than ever before. Uh, So I I don't know that they will ever be gone in terms of just good passers, because if you're really good at passing, like in Aaron Rodgers, um, maybe you take advantage of certain situations where you run, but you're not necessarily a running quarterback. I don't know that those guys are going to be gone, but I do think that it's trending in the direction of having more athletes at quarterback. Another thing that's interesting is there is some depth at quarterback, because if we talk at the top scorers this year. Kyler one, Josh Allen two, Patrick Mahomes three, Rodgers four, Russell Wilson five, Watson six, Tannehill seven, Lamar Jackson eight, Justin Herbert nine, which all seem like very good options. Then we have Tom Brady, Cousins, and Matt Ryan closing out the top 12. Remember, Dak is hurt, who would make 10 very good quarterbacks. Um, Jalen Hurts isn't included, who's 11. So it looks like there's at least 11 very, very talented quarterbacks who are going to give you a reliable floor. And it will be interesting to see how people value those. I think kind of Tannehill, Herbert will be the end. Probably Aaron Rodgers will be grouped in with those guys, with the Kylers, Josh Allens, Mahomeses. And and Lamar Jackson will be another very interesting one to see where he goes. Maybe there's a chance where somebody like Dak, who was having maybe the most prolific passing season of all time, gets hurt, maybe with some recency bias, he sees a discount in price in a situation where he's still playing on a team with one of the worst defenses in the league, and he arguably has better weapons than he's ever had in his career, assuming he's able to return for week one or week two with uh, full health. Um, This guy's going to have a year two C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Gallup, and... It, there's there's certainly a chance that he finishes a top three quarterback in 2021. Yeah, 100%. And, and I really wonder how they're going to be priced because you just mentioned that there's 12 quality options. So we, we might even see a discount next year, you know, because it was so heavy in the top two this year with, uh, with Mahomes and Kyler. But, you know, with so many good options, the market, you know, with so much supply, the demand might be just a tad lower to draft one of them early. So you could still get a really good quarterback. You know, it's interesting. I don't know how much the price of someone like uh, Russell Wilson is going to change, especially with how he's kind of tailed off in the second half of the year, you know? Um, Yeah, I think he could be a cheaper one, but also I'll double down on my rushing quarterback deal and 
Lamar Jackson's a guy that I'd be happy to take next year. Like we have seen his ability as a pat as a rusher, and that's not gone. And the Ravens seem to be a little bit more ignited. And if he's falling to the second half of quarterbacks drafted, and he's a guy you can get in let's say the eighth round or something, uh, Lamar Jackson is still maybe the best rushing quarterback in the league. And if they can maybe add another weapon or he can get back into the groove that he was in as a passer, uh, that's another guy that you can draft maybe at a low ADP who comes with top three quarterback upside. And back to the DAC point, I just looked at quarterbacks points per game. And even with all these great seasons where Kyler's at 26.8 points per game, Josh Allen's at 25.7 uh, Dak was averaging 28.3. He was number one and he got injured only scoring 14 points in week five. Um, I think he was injured halfway through the game. Week one, he had 17.6. He put up 40.8 in week two, 30.4 in week three, 38.2 in week four before going down in week five. So don't sleep on Dak just because you've forgotten about how special he was early in the season. Nah, forever in our hearts. I know, Mike, that you had an interesting question on Nas Dalton, and I'm excited. Yeah, Dalton, I don't even know the question. Yeah, looking at quarterback landscape, obviously, dynasty season generally takes place before redraft season, which becomes an interesting question with where rookies should go. And seeing somebody like Justin Herbert and his amazing rookie season, and knowing all that we know about Trevor Lawrence maybe being one of the best quarterback prospects of all time. When you have, let's say, the top rookie pick and you're picking between a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Herbert, are you learning? Are you leaning in terms of, uh, are you learning, leaning in favor of Trevor Lawrence because of his unbelievable college career? Or are you valuing the year one production from Herbert because we've seen how, how incredible he is at the NFL level already? That's such a good question. And it's a really tough one to answer because first off, I think that they're in the same tier. So I think when it comes to like a dynasty team, I think, for example, let's say if I had, if I'm on a team, right. And I have the first pick, am I trading that first pick for Justin Herbert? No. Am I trading Justin Herbert for the first pick? Also? No. So it really, let's talk startup dynasty startup startup. And I think this is where the interesting question is, and this is why I would lean Trevor Lawrence here over a guy like Justin Herbert, is for the fact that Justin Herbert started off historically great, but we've seen his efficiency drop over the past, like ever since Austin Eckler had come back or after his um, his big haircut, um, his efficiency has honestly <laughs> cratered. So there's a lot of reasons that we can look behind it. A, it's either Austin Eckler, it could be coaching. Keenan Allen also has been very inefficient during this time as well. It could be defenses also, you know, having more film on Herbert, learning how to um, game plan against him a little bit better. So the reason why I'm going to go Lawrence over Herbert is because Herbert has a sustained efficiency throughout the full season. And even though Herbert's full body work is extremely impressive in a historical um, context, um, a guy like Trevor Lawrence objectively was a better prospect than Justin Herbert. Trevor Lawrence is arguably, there's an argument for him being the best quarterback crossing of all time. And I think the thing that also leans it in Lawrence's favor over a guy like Justin Herbert is the fact that Lawrence has incredible rushing upside. I know everyone talks about Justin Fields having this amazing rushing ability, rushing upside. But if we look at last year, Trevor Lawrence actually had more rushing yards than Justin Fields. He had over 500 rushing yards. And nobody even talks about that because he's such, he's such a good passer. 
And over this year again, he has over 200, which is right on par with what Justin Fields is doing. And that's more than what Justin Herbert had in college. In fact, I think Justin Herbert topped out at maybe like 250, 300 rushing yards in college. So there's that going for him. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence, I mean, as of right now, he's going to a good situation with the Jaguars as well, where they have a couple of good weapons there. Um, I like Jay Gruden's offense. I think it's something that's not going to necessarily hold Trevor Lawrence back. So um, as crazy as it sounds, like I think Trevor Lawrence has to be the pick as high as I am on a guy like Justin Herbert. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, very, very interesting. I, I, it's one of those questions where do you zoom out and take the entire picture where you look at all this college production, you look at the things that they've done over all of the information and data that we have, or do you take this one snippet of this unbelievable Herbert year? And I think it's a very interesting question, but we all know what an unbelievable prospect Trevor Lawrence is, and he's not necessarily a guy we want to doubt. Um, But that said, obviously Herbert's rookie year was incredible, and he's another one of those guys that if he's the one who falls um, the furthest out of that group of 10 or 11 quarterbacks that we like next year, then he's a very enticing pick in his sophomore campaign. Yeah, it's it's rare for guys like Herbert to have such a prolific passing rookie year and to not be really good the rest of their careers. You know, with guys like Vince Young or even, you know, late seasons, rookie year Lamar Jackson, a lot of their production is um, they, they get to mask a lot of their passing deficiencies by rushing. But once the league figures out how to stop the run, their their rushing ability, a little more figure out their tendencies, then it's easier to stop with a guy who's been passing like Herbert. Um, I, it, it's just hard to find quarterbacks who were that good and that efficient their rookie year um, and not prepared to be the starter at all, really, in the beginning of the season after what happened uh, to Tyrod, um, to be that good and to flop the second the year after. Um do you guys want to do Dalton, a... I, have, I have one more question for Dalton. Um, okay. I know you're a big A.J. Brown guy, as we all are on this podcast. Has Justin Jefferson done enough to pass him in Dynasty? <sighs> well, <laughs> um, I'll say this. I believe the great Sean Siegel said today that Justin Jefferson is his top Dynasty receiver. Wow. And here, here's, here's my stance on this is I... It's the same thing with the Lawrence versus um, Herbert thing, where if I had one, I'm not trading me for the other and other way around. And my reasoning for having a guy like A.J. Brown ahead of Justin Jefferson right now is just taking a step back. And I want to look at what they've done at each step of the way throughout the careers. And Justin Jefferson has had more production than A.J. Brown has, but A.J. Brown was also more efficient than Justin Jefferson was. And A.J. Brown has continued to be more efficient and he's continued to score a lot of touchdowns in his second year. So I think the argument for a guy like Justin Jefferson would be like, would be the fact that there's a volume-based argument that he's going to get more volume in that offense and he's going to get targeted more than a guy like an A.J. Brown. But at the same time, like, I'm still going to have A.J. Brown number one just because of what he's done so far in his career. Historically, efficiency-wise is like, historic like he's basically been the most efficient receiver from a fantasy point per game like um yards per target he's all up there in terms of like the randy mosses and the greatest to ever do it up there and justin jefferson looks to be on that same pace as well so um it's so close between those two but i'm still gonna lean aj brown because i like his profile like his skill set a little more and the moment that 
he does start getting the volume, I think that's where he would have the advantage over Justin Jefferson. Wow. I, uh, I, I don't even know where to fall there. I, I got to be honest about loving AJ Brown as a Titans fan, but that's a, that's a really tough one. I don't know. Mike, yeah, you can't you go wrong either way. Wrong. I mean, we're talking about two of probably the top three to five wide receivers for the next eight years. Um, I don't think that either of those guys come with any risk. Throw DK Metcalf in there, and maybe you have the top three wide receivers um, that are drafted over the next five years. Uh, so I have I have no problem with any answer to that question. That's a good question. So I mean, uh, uh, just Jefferson's stud. Absolute stud. Um, why don't we do a quick Christmas wish list? Just one thing that we each like before we do. Um, I want to invite all our listeners to take a look at our playoff leagues. You know, maybe this just simply wasn't your year like it was for me. Relied on a little bit uh, too much of guys like DJ Chark. Uh, and But you really don't want fantasy to be over. You don't want to end. Also, you want to enjoy the playoffs. Not thinking about who you need to sit, start, blah, blah, blah. Well, we have the answer for you. We have six team playoff leagues that you can draft it's after week 17 has been concluded so all the playoff teams are announced and you kind of got to draft players who are going to do a balance of big production and you you want them to play multiple games right so if you think the team is going to only play one game well even if it's a really good player on that team you might want to take a mediocre player from the Chiefs over that guy. So a lot of awesome strategy involved that's not involved in regular season play. Um, again, it's six teams per league. We have multiple different price points. It is wild card round all the way to the Super Bowl. So if you're not ready for your fantasy season to be over, then we have the answer for you. Go to apexfantasyleagues.com, go to sign up, and we have a bunch of email and live draft playoff leagues in our lobby just for you. So why don't we end this episode going over our Christmas wish list. I will happily start. And this is going to be very much not going to happen, but it's my wish. I want Sean McVay to be hired by the Houston Texans. That's my wish. I'm so sick of seeing Jared Goff just tanking what was such a good offense, such a brilliant mind like Sean McVay's, you know. Um, McVay was able to hide it for a couple of years there with a great offensive line and Cook's Cup and Woods and Gurley. Now it's becoming abundantly clear that that extension was a huge mistake and that, like Mike says, they do everything they can to hide Jared Goff. That become, That is the Rams offense. They do everything they can to hide Jared Goff. And so I don't want to see McVay's talents wasted anymore on what is proven to be a mediocre at best quarterback. Mike, do you have any wishes or anything to say about your friend Jared Goff? Yeah, I, I mean, Jared Goff, I, I unfortunately is probably going to remain in the league with that contract, but it would just be so great to see them acquire somebody else to play for McVay. And it seems that he's actually regressed at this point. I mean, we saw Goff look really good with those three wide receivers, and now he just seems uncapable of doing anything that isn't like a scripted screen or an obvious first read. Um, so that's very troubling, but I'm going to go back to the well with um, another coaching situation, a cl- coaching relationship between quarterback and player. I can't watch Anthony Lynn lead an NFL <laughs> franchise. <laughs> oh, that's, a good, that's a good one. Um, 
And I don't want to see him sink Herbert's career as it seems we've gotten unbelievable production out of Herbert in year one. And Anthony Lynn just makes blunder after blunder, including what only one passing attempt for Justin uh, Herbert in the fourth it's, quarter. It's every week um, now. And they it's still managed to win week. that game. Um, so it's just so frustrating to watch. And it seems that whatever the win probability is in favor of Anthony Lynn will do the opposite. And these dinosaur coaches that don't adjust to analytics, uh, I would prefer to see them outside of the game or at least on teams that don't have good quarterbacks. Um, so I'd like to see Herbert be released and be coached by somebody who's going to lead him in the right direction. I, I like yours more than mine. I, I, man, now I wish McVay – now I want McVay to go to the Chargers. I, 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 I like that one a lot more. Dalton, you got one? I mean, I, I had one, and then, like, you guys kept talking about coaches. So, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw two out here if that's allowed. Um, my first one is going to be uh, – I want Justin Jefferson to break the all-time rookie record for receiving yards. He needs 196 receiving yards over the next two games to break Anquan Bolden's record for most – receiving yards by a rookie in NFL history. I would love to see that happen. I think he has a chance to because the Vikings are in the thick of things in the playoffs and they have every incentive to utilize him as much as possible here. So that would be awesome. I would love to see that. My number two is going to be another coaching thing. And it is for Joe Brady to get an NFL head coaching job, but not just an NFL head coaching job. It is for him to get an NFL coaching job with one of these up and coming Young quarterbacks, whether it's a Justin Herbert, whether he's going to the Jaguars and getting a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, whether he's going to the Jets and also working with a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Joe Brady has proven over the last couple years with his historic offense at LSU, with what he's done with Teddy Bridgewater, and he's made um, extremely fantasy relevant players. They have three wide receivers in the top 30 in PPR points in Carolina, have also supported an RB1 there as well. There's only one other team to do that. Or actually, no other team to do that. There's only one other team to even support three top 30 wide receivers. It's the Steelers. So the fact that the Panthers with Teddy Bridgewater have been able to sing that says a lot about Joe Brady, the fact that they've been efficient offense there. I really want Joe Brady to get tied to one of these up-and-coming young superstar quarterbacks. And I hope the NFL is progressive enough and ahead of the game to hire him because I legitimately think this guy has a chance to be the next Kyle Shanahan for fantasy teams and attaching one of these guys would be... Um, Amazing. Amazing to see. Well, above all, we obviously know our number one wish is uh, coronavirus don't be an issue next year for the NFL season and just in general for the world. I think that would probably be best, um, but that's that's everyone's wish. I'm thankful we got to have a full, what seemingly to be a full regular season, no canceled games, all in all. I think it went pretty well. So hopefully, again, you made it to the championship round. Just sit back, relax. Hope you enjoyed the ride this season like we did. Again, glad you just have a season. Um, if you are still thirsty for leagues, obviously we have more for you for the playoffs. So if your favorite team didn't make the playoffs, we'd have the solution to make the playoffs more watchable. Even if they did. I'm, I mean, I know I'd love to join a, a playoff league if I could. Watching the Titans in the playoffs, that's going to be nerve-wracking enough. Um, so stay safe out there. Have happy holidays. And thank you so much for giving us your ears for the whole season and for listening to the Apex Fantasy Football Podcast.